Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, and we're going to have a variety of contributors coming up for you as we discuss a club in La Liga that, to be quite honest, doesn't get discussed enough. It's Real Valladolid. we're going to be talking all about the Pusella, all about the white and violets and specifically we're going to focus on the one major trophy the club has won in its history, the 1984 Copa de la Liga. But first let's get a bit of background by handing over to Roman de Arquer to tell us about the club's early history. Real Deportivo Valladolid was founded on the 20th of June of 1928 when Real Unión Deportiva and Club Deportivo Español, two teams from the same city, joined forces. This decision to unite both teams was made after playing a friendly game in which both clubs decided to combine their footballers to play against the Catalan side RC Español and they defeated them. Unlike other teams which were founded before, Valladolid started in a segunda división which was divided by groups. But shortly after, the competition was rearranged and they found themselves in the Spanish third division in the 1929-1930 season. They stayed there until 1939, when the Spanish Civil War ended and Valladolid were appointed to play in Segunda. Shortly after, in 1943, they got their first chance to rise up to the first division, but lost 2-0 against Granada and missed out on a historic opportunity. That left them quite wounded, and the following season they dive all the way down to the third division. But Valladolid managed to rebuild quickly, and by 1948 they finally made it to Primera División after two consecutive seasons climbing up in the Spanish football categories. Two years later, they made it to their first Copa del Rey final, known as the Copa del Generalísimo at the time. In their path, they defeated Real Sociedad, Sevilla and Real Madrid. But in the final, they met Athletic Club and their insatiable goal scorer, Telmo Zarra, who netted all four goals for a 4-1 victory against Valladolid. 
Their run in Primera would last until 1958, in which they went back down to the second division despite having the striker Manuel Badenes in their squad, who was joint top scorer of the league with Alfredo Di Stefano and Ricardo Alos, all of them with 19 goals. The following seasons they would be constantly hopping up and dropping back down between Primera and Segunda, although in the 1962-1963 season they achieved their best finish in the Spanish first division, in fourth position, with the same number of points as Real Oviedo who were third. That year they even made it to the Copa del Rey quarterfinals, until Barca stopped them in their tracks to end up winning the competition. But in 1964 they went back down to Segunda and would not return to the Spanish top tier in a very long time. They even plummeted all the way down to the third division in 1970, although it was very brief as the next season they got promoted back up, where they would remain for 9 years until 1980 when they finally returned to the top with their fourth promotion to Primera. And during that decade, Valladolid would experience some of their best seasons. That's exactly right. If we have to pick the best decade of Real Valladolid's history, then there's no doubts about it. It's the 1980s. Here's Matt Clark to explain why. On their return to the top flight in 1980-81, Valladolid put in a good performance in their first season in La Liga for 16 years. They consolidated in mid-table and were clear of relegation trouble due to their impressive home form. The 1981-82 season saw a hugely congested mid-table. Valladolid finished strongly to end up 9th on 34 points. They were just one point short of a UEFA Cup place. However, they were also only 5 points clear of relegation, showing the depth of competitiveness at this time. At the start of 1982-83, things were sliding. Brutella didn't register a win until early December, match day 14 of the season, and they were rooted at the bottom of the table. But once again, a strong rallying finish saw them climb to finish 12th and 4 points clear of danger. The Copa de la Liga was a secondary domestic competition in Spain in the mid-1980s. As the name suggests, it was a cup competition for the clubs in the same league. It was an idea conjured up by then Barcelona president Josep Luis Núñez. You could say he was a visionary. He recognised that more matches would lead to more TV revenue and economic growth for clubs, and so the Copa de la Liga was born. In many ways, the recent changes to the format of the Supercopa de España are a modern equivalent. The first competition was held in 1983, at the end of the regular season. The final was played over two legs, contested between Barcelona and Real Madrid, a familiar rivalry for a novel competition. Barca had beaten Atletico Madrid 5-3 in the semis, while Los Blancos had progressed on penalties after a bonkers 8-8 aggregate tie against Real Zaragoza. The Blaugrana triumphed, with Diego Maradona scoring in each leg. Despite the big names and exciting goal fests, the problems with this new competition quickly became apparent. The timing of the tournament was far from ideal. Tagged on to the end of an already long season, there was little interest and it was not well received by players, coaches or fans. The finals took place in the overwhelming heat of June, which was very problematic, and the anticipated interest from TV audiences never materialised. There was no spark to the competition, as everyone could see it was just created out of nothing, with no history or tradition. It was a glorified gimmick. The Spanish Football Federation were acutely aware of this and tweaked the competition to inject some life and interest into it. They decided that a place in the UEFA Cup would be awarded to the winners, incentivising clubs and giving fans a shorter route to a potential European adventure. While this was a welcome change, the competition only ran for four seasons. Real Madrid won before Barca claimed their second title in 1986, but this was to be the end of the competition. 
Of course, these teams had already qualified for Europe by virtue of their league position, so the tweaking format didn't quite have the desired effect. There was, however, one exception to the rule. One club relished the opportunity for silverware and a run in Europe. That club was Real Valladolid in 1984. At the end of the 1983-84 season, Valladolid had suffered their worst campaign since promotion, slipping to 14th in the table under coach Fernando Redondo. No, not the Argentinian, but the Spaniard who had spent much of his playing and coaching career at Valladolid. When the league ended, then came the Copa de la Liga. Valladolid fans weren't expecting too much. They'd been eliminated by lowly relegated Las Palmas in the first round last time out, and nobody really seemed to care that much. In the first round this time around, they faced Real Zaragoza. While Zaragoza were a team in the upper echelons of La Liga, Valladolid were unbeaten in their two league clashes that season, so were quite bullish about their chances. Sure enough, they won 1-0 in the home leg with a goal from captain Pepe More. In the return at La Romareda, the hosts won 2-1 to force extra time. More was the hero as he scored again to complete his brace before top scorer Jorge Polia da Silva and then Jorge Alonso added gloss to the win. Valladolid had come to life with three goals in the extra time period. Valladolid got a bye for the second round, so the quarters awaited. They met Sevilla and suffered a 2-0 defeat in the away leg. Unperturbed, Valladolid matched that result at the Jose Zorria, so again extra time was required. Sevilla went ahead, but Francisco Fortes levelled it up. Away goals didn't come into the equation here, so it went to penalties, with the home side prevailing 5-4. In the semis, Bucela met the other side from Seville, and history repeated itself as they lost 2-0 at Betis. In the return leg, it looked to be heading for another extension, after Luis Miguel Gale and Da Silva had restored aggregate parity. But in the dying moments of the 90 minutes, Da Silva dramatically scored again to send the Blanqui Violetas to the final, their first cup final for 34 years. Da Silva's story is a fascinating one. Another South American who was told he was too small to play football, he was nicknamed Polilla or the Moth. In just his first full season in Europe, the Uruguayan won the Pichichi with 17 goals in 30 matches. An impressive feat for a club which only finished 14th. He was only the second ever Valladolid player to win the award and the first Uruguayan, setting the standard for compatriots Diego Forlan and Luis Suarez to follow. Valladolid faced Atletico Madrid in the final, with Luis Aragones in the dugout and Hugo Sanchez, the tournament's top scorer, leading the attack. Atleti had eliminated Real Madrid, Athletic Club, Espanyol and then reigning champions Barcelona. Both legs were cagey affairs, with nothing getting past the keepers. After 180 long minutes of football, the score was 0-0. So the Jose Zorrilla fans, all 33,000 of them, would see extra time for the third time in the tournament. Leti's Czech midfielder Miroslav Votava opened the scoring. Unfortunately for him, it was in the wrong net, as he turned across past keeper Carlos Pereira. Vidalid had the advantage. Players piled on top of each other and the fans couldn't contain their jubilation. This joy turned to ecstasy when they doubled their lead through Fortes, who had just come on as a sub in place of future La Liga coach Eusebio Sacristan. Fortes picked up a rebound in the box before coolly slotting into the corner. 2-0! The stands were a sea of purple and white flags. The icing on the cake came through Luis Minguela as the one club man tapped in at the far post. Just like in the first round, the Blanqui Violetas had found their goal-scoring touch with three in the extra 30 minutes. It was a late red card for Minguela after a clash with Juan Carlos Pedraza, but that didn't matter. Via the league were champions. 
mustachioed captain Pepe More hoisted the trophy aloft and the players celebrated in front of their fans. Between Minguela and More, they played over 800 games for the club, so it was fitting that both were integral in the club's greatest victory. Another added sweetener is that they had done it with many locals in the team. Five of the 13 who featured in the final were born in the region of Castilla y León, as well as a further three who played their part en route to the final. The fans always relate more to a team if there are some homegrown players involved, as they feel that strong, direct connection to the club. The 1984 Copa de la Liga remains Real Valladolid's only senior honour. As time goes on, the legacy of those players and that trophy continues to grow. Well, that was the story of Real Valladolid's Copa de la Liga triumph. But don't go anywhere as we have more coming up after the break as we explain how they did when they got into Europe and further break down the legacy of this cup success. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome back to this episode about when Real Valladolid were champions. We just heard about how they won the 1984 Copa de la Liga and also about how that came with a ticket to Europe. So just how did Real Valladolid get on during their first continental adventure? Here's Sam Leverage to tell us. That Copa win took them to Europe for the very first time and Real Valladolid won their first ever European game on home turf at Bethela, sold out for, to welcome the Croatian side HNK Regica, who'd just beaten Real Madrid in one of their two legs of their clash the season before. And it was a victory which was secured with a penalty by Jair Silva scoring the winner. In the first leg. In the second leg, there wasn't the same luck and it was a 4-1 defeat. So in their first ever European campaign, Rio Valladolid was sent home in the first round. It wasn't quite what they were hoping for. And in 1986, President Gonzalo Alonso left. The man who'd overseen that success of the Copa del Rey win it led to some instability in the boardroom with five presidents before the end of the decade. 
That was typified in 1986-87 when there were four different coaches with Alonso falling out with Vicente Cantatore, the popular Chilean coach, over a lack of promised signings. Despite that, Violeta were always in Primera in the 1980s, the only decade where they've stayed in the top flight for the whole way through. And in 1987, it was enough to bring back Cantatore, who turned down the job as the Chilean national team coach. Again, there was boardroom controversy, as it was the former president, Alonso, who filtered the news to the press. And that was particularly annoying for the new president in charge, Miguel Angel Pérez, who complained to the media about the leaks that had been coming out from the former boss. Cantatore made his team hard to beat again, and they finished sixth in La Liga, and actually made it to the 1989 Copa del Rey final. It was a magnificent run through the competition. They beat Real Zaragoza, they beat Athletic Club, they beat Cadiz. And then in the semi-final, they mounted a two-goal comeback and the second leg to win at the Estadio Jose Soria in extra time against Deportivo. It kind of typified the team that Cantatore had beat. They were hard to beat, but they weren't prolific in front of goal. In that whole run, they only won two games by more than a one-goal margin, one of them being that extra-time semi-final second leg. And in the final, it was reflected again. Gordillo of Real Madrid scored after just five minutes in the final, but it was the only goal of the game. And when Marca TV watched the game back, they reflect on that and they said, you forget just how good this team were, and they were a very difficult team to beat. Although it ended in defeat, that Copa del Rey final did mean that Real Valladolid qualified for the Cup Winners' Cup in 1990. And another changing coach with another boardroom falling out meant that it was Josip Skobar, the Croatian, who was the newly appointed coach to lead Real Valladolid through their new campaign. Curiously, he was actually the manager of Regica when they visited Valladolid for their first ever European game. And this time he was in charge of the new team, the Real Valladolid. On their way through, they beat Morteside, Hanrum Sparta, a spectacular name, and they beat them in a thrilling fashion, 5-0 in the first leg and 1-0 in the second leg in Malta. It was the case again in the next round against Swedish side. It was Jungarden's AF Football from Stockholm, who they beat 2-0 again at home, their home strength really on show, and then securing the crucial 0-0 draw away from home. The next round would bring the stars to town, though. And it was the French champions Monaco, a team featuring the likes of Glenn Hoddle. And it was a spectacle that all of Spain was watching. However, the goal didn't come. It was another 0-0 draw in the first leg in Spain and then another 0-0 draw in the second leg in Monaco that made it three 0-0 draws in a row for Real Valladolid. And it wasn't enough. They converted just one of their four penalties as Monaco cruised through to the next round. It's now three decades since that Copa de la Liga triumph and those trips to Europe. Many Real Valladolid fans won't remember seeing their team lift a major trophy, even if they've been told all about it. That's why I'm very interested to hear the thoughts of La Liga Lowdown's Real Valladolid expert, Martin Devlin, the man behind the Brusella Escoffia website and fan group. I have one simple question for Martin, and it's about the legacy of this cup win at the club. Basically, Martin, just how important is that Copa de la Liga win, even now? so many years later. The 1984 Copa de la Liga triumph is, without a doubt, the crowning moment in Real Valladolid's history, as it is the club's only National Cup victory. Now, I'm lucky enough to have great connections with people in and around Valladolid, and I've been speaking to them this week about the match. A lot of them are too young to remember it well, but they speak in such detail, and with the enthusiasm of someone who was there, and this is testament to the way the tale has been handed down to them through older family members and friends, in the way that legends have been retold throughout history. 
Those who are old enough to experience it and not lucky enough to be at the match speak of listening to the radio commentary on their balconies and terraces and hearing huge cheers going up around the city and outlying areas as the first goal went in and then Pusella added another two in a short space of time. One person I spoke to described the city as exploding with joy in the aftermath. It truly is the defining moment in the club's existence. There's a famous photo of the Puzella captain, Pepe More, with his iconic moustache, lifting the trophy in front of their own fans, and you can only imagine what the atmosphere must have been like for him. That photo has been replicated many, many times, and there are murals inside the stadium depicting different events in the club history, and this being one of them. The cup was only in existence for four seasons, and was won twice by Barcelona and once by Real Madrid, so it's good to see the name of Real Valladolid alongside these clubs. I think the legacy of the cup triumph is underlined even more so when you consider the dearth of success in subsequent years. The one piece of silverware of note since the 1984 victory was winning the second division in 2007, which only serves to underline just how important winning the Copa de la Liga remains to this club 36 years later. Thanks Martin, and that photo of Pepe Mori that you mentioned features in the graphic we've put together for sharing this podcast on social media. Check it out on Twitter if you haven't already at the La Liga Lowdown account. Now, it's been 36 years since that success, and as Martin mentioned, there's been just one second division title in that time. But we could be approaching a new era for the club, following the arrival of Ronaldo as majority shareholder and president. So let's speak to Paco Pollock now and ask, can Real Valladolid achieve success again? What does the future look like for this club? When the first rumours kicked off early in 2018, people actually thought that this whole Ronaldo Nazario buying the largest stake in Real Valladolid was an elaborate prank, something just too random and bizarre to actually happen. A few months later, in September that year, Ronaldo did exactly that. Hungry to become increasingly influential in the football world and after a few strategic investments here and there in sports ventures, he paid around 30 million euros for the 51% of the shares. The seller, former president Carlos Suárez remained in the club as the CEO, while Ronaldo would become the new president. Valladolid, by the way, had just promoted to La Liga, so that right there is an example of perfect timing by the former striker. Since then, Ophenomeno has slowly increased his number of shares until reaching over 72% of the ownership. He also paid the debt Valladolid still had with the tax authorities and managed to survive and remain in the league in their first season after promoting. Even though they suffered quite a bit and had to wait till the second to last game to secure their spot in next year's championship. Possibly one of the biggest jackpots hit by the board has been keeping their faith and confidence in the coach who took the team back to top flight. Sergio González has been a monumental keystone in Valladolid's growth and success lately, something which in turn benefited the club's finances until leaving them in a pretty good spot at this point. Is that enough though? Can Valladolid actually be great again someday? Unfortunately for Los Pucelanos, this game, this sport is fundamentally rigged financially and the chances of them building expensive top quality squads are still very very low. Competing for a European spot seems far away when Valladolid are almost doomed to fight for sheer survival from the get-go every single season. Beating the odds in Copa del Rey is almost as far-fetched as recently second-tier teams have rediscovered their passion for the cup and everyone, every single team is taking it far more seriously, slimming the chances of one 
wildcards or underdogs shocking the world. Simply put, Valladolid are walking the walk and in a great path of growth towards greatness, but it will still take some time. And the next step in that direction is transforming the club into a recognizable face in La Liga every single season, consolidating their presence in the championship in a yearly basis and banishing forever the dreaded nickname of Equipo Ascensor, a side which goes up and down often between divisions like the lift of an office building. Fortunately, Ronaldo seems stubborn enough to keep pressing the button of the penthouse. Well put, Paco. That's a nice way to describe the situation. We'll need to wait to see what happens with Real Valladolid under the ownership of Ronaldo and also how the coronavirus crisis may have an impact. As Paco mentioned, finances are still pretty tight and this is something Ronaldo himself has even talked about in an Instagram live chat with David Beckham. Take a listen. We, we are doing well. Spending lots of money? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> for now, we have, we, we, we are trying to be, uh, to not spend any more money because we don't have any more money. <laughs> we have to make new money. Yeah, tell me. But uh, we, are, we, are, we are doing well. So that was Ronaldo's recent take on the club's situation. Right now, the priority is simply to remain in La Liga Santander and to then, as Paco said, establish the club as a regular top-tier side. We'll all be watching on to see if they can do so, but for now, that's all from us at La Liga Lowdown. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, though, if you haven't already, for some really cool threads on the best British and Irish imports to La Liga, a follow-up to the podcast we released last week. For this week, my thanks go out to Roman de Arcare, Matt Clark, Sam Leverage, Martin Devlin and Paco Bollett. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and I thank you very much for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.